0: Ridge Runner Nation, welcome back to another edition of Ridge Runners Live. On this episode, we sat down with a very special guest, Jacob Conrad, who won Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra this past weekend and received a golden ticket to Biggs in the fall. So sit down, enjoy, it's a great episode and bear with us through some of the audio stuff.
1: What is in Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for our 21st, Bridge Runners Live Show, and we're super excited tonight. Super excited to have tonight's guest on the show. This past weekend, he ran 170 miles at Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra and and won the thing. I mean, it's absolutely crazy to see. Uh, Without further ado, Jacob Conrad, how are you doing tonight? I'm feeling fantastic. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're feeling good after that big effort you put in. Uh, What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Platform Haze Jude beer from Cleveland. Great great choice, John. It's good to see you again. What are you drinking?
0: Um, I actually have two because I'm almost done with one of them, but I have a can of Summer Shandy. But after that, I'll be following up with um, Great Lakes Burning River Pale Ale, which, you know, I shouldn't maybe be drinking these until after the race, but who cares?
1: Appropriate, appropriate. And I've got a, a special one today. i got a Spotted Cow it's new glorious. I'm going to say that totally wrong brewing company. It's Wisconsin beer I'm up in Wisconsin slash Minneapolis tonight. So had to get the local beer out here, but with the, just, I'm just super excited to dive into tonight, tonight's episode. Cause Jacob, it was awesome to follow the race along in this past couple, this past weekend and really just uh, see it all unfold before our eyes on Facebook, all the updates that we were getting from everyone there. Um, talk about the race. So I guess before we dive too deep into the, the actual race itself, uh, what was your training like going into the race and why was it such a big deal to kind of cho- choose this race? Well, the race was kind of a last minute
2: decision. All year I'd been here, I got from Mohican, but in really good training block, I was feeling fantastic, you know, doing all the training, you know, hoping that the race wouldn't get canceled. And then it ended up getting postponed until October. So at that point I'm thinking I'm feeling really fit, feeling really good. I'd like to get the chance to race, but kind of not really a life hiccup. but as far as running, it was a hiccup. So my wife and I were expecting twins and the due date was July 22nd. So then we had a scheduled C-section. It was scheduled for July 8th, ended up happening the 1st. So I was looking at other races to hop into and obviously that's not going to, let anything happen you know shortly after mohican so bob's is one of the races i was considering and bob's a friend of mine so got in touch with him i said you know hey what's going on with the race are you going to get to have it he said yeah i think we'll probably have it wait to sign up you know i'll let you know it looks good so ramp trading back up in july feeling pretty good you know checking with bob he said you know yeah i think it's going to be on so i hopped in and did a couple week taper and it's like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good, but you know, we'll see what happens. Never did one of those before. I was a little hesitant to try it, and that just went into it thinking, you know, let's see what I can do, let's see what happens, and
1: it uh, went better than expected.
0: Something about I, I, would well. say,
1: yeah, I would say it went as probably as best as it could possibly be, uh, to, only one winner at that event. Uh, you were second last year at the Mohican 100 in that absolutely stacked field. So it's kind of, uh, must've been kind of sad to not be able to go back right away when you were all trained to go, but I'm glad that you were able to find a race and go to Bob's this past weekend. Uh, what was it like? Like, was, did you know, going in, what was your goals with the race? Did you know, that you were going to win outright, or obviously there's some big, big names at that race. So what was the preparation like going into race day?
2: Well, I had checked out checked out the names, and I knew there were a couple guys there. Uh, Gabe Rainwater, probably being the one I was most familiar with, because I, I mean he's a friend of mine, run with him, races. So I tried really hard to get myself mentally ready for the race. I said, I don't care how far I go, I just don't want to quit. I mean, if something happens that's not safe for myself, I'll go ahead and stop. But if I go out, I just want to time out. So that was the goal. I thought, you know, if I say I want to run 100 miles and I go out there and try to run number 104, that's probably going to be the toughest lap ever. So I didn't care. I mean, I did care about the distance, the more the better, but I didn't have a specific goal in mind. And so that was a mindset going in. And I thought with how fit I was that, you know, anything less than a hundred would be a pretty big disappointment. So kind of went into the race early thinking if I can get to a hundred with as little effort as possible and just see how I feel. I mean, that's all new territory from there and we'll just see what happens. And so that was a strategy starting off the race and, you know, the first part of it went pretty smooth and, you know, kind of just everything was going good.
1: Yeah, no, uh, Ridge regeneration, Nation, if you have any questions in the chat, make sure to drop those in there for Jake. and will try to get to as many of those as we can. Uh, that's an interesting mindset to have in a backyard ultra. I think it's the right mindset to have when you're going into it. It's like, I just want to run as far as possible and not put a distance goal on. But I think the hardest thing I know personally for me is when you don't have an exact distance to go to, sometimes you check out early. So how did you kind of stay with it all day? I and mean, you can kind of walk through the early parts of your race and how your strategy involving like the t- amount of time you took each lap and all of that. But I guess like, how'd you stay so strong throughout all of that?
2: Uh, I mean, I kind of looked at it as, you know, get to a hundred miles and whoever goes out about 25, you know, stuff can happen, people can get injured or something screwy can happen and people drop out. But I looked at it as, you know, the first hundred, I mean, there's, with that field, there are going to be a number of people there at a hundred. So first hundred were just kind of a shakeout, you know, like, see You know, who's really there to try to put up some big miles? And, you know, looking at the field, you could tell there were probably 10 to 15 people there that, you know, 100 wasn't the goal. They were wanting to go more. And that was good because, you know, I was just wanting to get a lot of miles in. It's like the more people there are, the better. So it's like encourage everybody, you know, you know, the more the merrier.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You said like the first hundred seems so easy, but take us back to the first couple of loops. Take us back to maybe the first six loops and like what was the strategy involving that? And like, how, how did it go so well for you? Well, uh, I'd been interested in race tactics and what other people
2: do in this. So I thought about it for a long time and I thought, you know, I don't really feel comfortable trying to run backyard ultra pace. You know, you can run 13 miles all day. My legs don't feel good if I run that pace. So I thought I'm going to run basically all of the first two miles at you know an easy pace, but I'm gonna run the hills. It's like I feel like if I start walking all the hills, I lose my hill legs. So I purposely wanted to put it in a little bit of an effort in a couple places. So I'd run out to two miles, maybe. 2.05. 2.05. It was two on my GPS watch. I was only getting like 3.95 for per loop. halfway in the loop, and then I could just walk in the rest of the way, nice and easy. And we did 14 day loops, so we are at 58 miles. And I did that for every single loop, which was quite strange in the beginning because I'd go off the front of the field most loops. and then Everybody in the field would pass me. I asked after the race, I think my first lap, I was the slowest person in the entire field. I came in just under 53 minutes and everybody was passing me, like looking at me like, what's this guy doing? He's just walking. And I just remember walking up to the field the first time to the finish line. Everybody's kind of hurrying around and I'm looking at the clock. It, it says 52 minutes something. Like, that's funny of you know, it's four miles into the race. You can get a drink, eat a little and be ready to go, no problem. Was that you? So your- then I just kept that I kept that strategy up. Basically first fourteen loops, you know, no hiccups, no falls, kind of no issues, just nice and smooth.
0: Did you keep coming in with like um five, six, seven minutes left, or what was your kind of goal for each loop? Um uh, a-
2: going into the race, I thought 53 to 54 minutes would be the sweet spot. But I look back to the sports. my first lap was actually my slowest. I think most loops I was coming in about 51 or 52. And that was kind of nice because I could sit down, take my time, eat a bunch, drink a bunch, get my bottle filled. You know, just no worries, relax, get back out there, uh, plenty of time to go.
1: Uh, just yeah, like rolling with that plan. Marvin Yoder said, Congrats on the incredible win, and it was fun running with you for a few. Um, I bet, I mean, did you even get to run with people if you were so, so far out in the beginning? And then, uh, no, like, what that was that was was never, like? Was there... uh, that was a little bit of a uh,
2: disappointment of the race. I got to see everybody in the field, but I didn't really get to actually run side by side. By many people, just a couple friends embrace the race people, you know, close by or more at the end of my loops of other people would slow down and walk with me a little bit. So, you know, it was like every lap I would see the entire field but it was just in passing as you know, they were catching up to me and passing me. So, that was a little bit strange. The first couple laps I kind of had to you know, you hear somebody catch you and in the instinct in a normal race is to pick it up a little bit. I had to remind, me, remind myself, no, this is the pace that I want to be going. You know, this this is perfect. Just slow down. But then it got to be neat. Like for certain people, we'd pass each other the same point at the loop and we'd, you know, say, hi, you know, good job. And uh, actually Jordan, the guy that got second, we had it down. Or like 10 loops in a row within 50 yards, him. And another guy would catch me, say, Hey, good job. Okay, see you there and then see your next loop. So that was
1: kind of cool. Yeah. So what was it like on the night loop? So you got the day pretty much no ease, but starting that first night, that's kind of where the race gets real. Um, what was it like out there? Uh, if, for those of you that don't know, uh, I'm sure, it's, it's still a dark road, and it's it can, especially when you're by yourself it can be pretty lonesome. I know that I had the luxury of running with Gabe Rainwater That's year, last year when I did the race. But uh, what was the night loop like for you? So first time through the night loop, it was a pretty easy course. Uh, you
2: went out onto a township road, gravel road, about a hundred line, and after that, everything was flat. So. Within a half mile, you've done the big climb of the loop and everything else is either flat or downhill. So I decided that I'd probably run a little bit more of this loop. So I think I'd run up to about three miles, take a walk break, walk a little bit, and then come in and then run or walk and try to come in about 46 or 48 minutes. And that was giving me enough time to get food. And then I'd lay down and try to take about a five-minute nap which I got to lay down at the loop. I'm not sure how much I actually slept. my generator and the lights for the way. So I had earplugs along. So, I mean, I probably got about an hour of lay down time, but didn't get an hour of sleep. I know I drifted off a few times,
3: but I'm not sure exactly how much it's going you know, to be more alert when I woke up to start the loop
0: it would be real difficult to um try to sleep with all that like you neural know, like adrenaline like that in the middle of the race. Like it's hard to be like shut off and try to even sleep for a couple seconds at all.
2: Yeah, I was worried about that. I found that I wasn't as amped up as I thought I might be. I think that was because I was purposely taking the end of the loop super, super easy. Mm. But the it was a little bit harder to you know lay down there and just Lay there and relax.
1: So, what was it? Oh, go for it.
3: Yeah. So, we
2: did the first night, we did 10, we did 14 trail loops and then 10 road loops. So, that was 24 hours. And that was just because we had plenty of daylight. I was able to maintain a pretty steady pace of the same strategy. Through the first night, you know, come in with plenty of time to spare, still feeling pretty good. I mean, legs had some fatigue, but nothing crazy, nothing really going terribly wrong.
1: So I guess I mean you're coming in with at 46 minutes on a night loop. I think that's kind of fast for for most people. Where were you in rel- in relation to everyone else in the field uh, in the first night there?
2: Uh, for the majority of the loops, I was the second fastest guy. Uh, George was coming in. I think it was a couple minutes faster than me.
1: Gotcha, yeah. I mean it
2: like other than that, I'd be laid down and out. And I I'm not really sure when the other people were coming in. I'd have to look back at the splits, but I was just wanting to get in there quick and try to bank some sleep
1: while I had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think it's such an it's awesome that you're uh, you won the race and you're tonight's guest because you're just such a different runner than most people that have won backyard ultras and uh, that have been really good at them. For example, I think that like it takes a certain sometimes if you're too fast, I feel like you're just the backyard format isn't for you because you're so used to just sprinting through races and not having to slow down and have that tons of aid station time. But it seems like you kind of mastered that because uh, you're, you're quick enough to run fast enough, but also you were able to tune out and kind of use that time effectively. Um, I guess, how was it, how was the balance of that? Like do you think you changed anything going forward or was that just how you were rolling with it through the second day? Uh,
2: I think of, if- Looking back on it, I might have started the day loops and actually a little bit slower but didn't need any sleep. I might have walked more and walked a couple more of the hills just to save energy. That first night, I liked the strategy. I may have even tried to run a little faster and sleep more. I mean, we'll get to it at the end of the race, but kind of sleep deprivation became uh, the biggest issue for me. Rather than legs going or anything like that, so I think if I actually could have slept a little bit more, I might have been feeling better. But it—I mean—it's hard to tell. Kind of—I mean—towards the end, everything was at the verge of going.
1: Yeah. So before we get to the end of the race, how was the the next morning? Sun rises again. You're a hundred miles in, and there's still some people, tons of people left. Uh, what, what was the next? six to 12 hours like well i mean first of all it was
2: great to see you know we lined up for loop 25 and i think there were nine of us that went out there so that was that was pretty cool to see okay you know there's going to be a big group of us going for it and i decided you know i'm pretty much the same strategy i did on day one we'll see how the legs feel so i took off on loop 25 first day loop. And I was kind of worried that it was going to have to be an all-out effort to, you know, come in at that 52 to 53 minute. And I took off running, and it actually felt really nice
3: to run the trails.
2: It was a nice break from the road. So ran out to my two-mile walking point, and I had been getting there about 19 or 20 minutes on day one. I think I was about 21 minutes on loop 25. So I thought, I'll a quarter miles you know, walk it in from there. So that's what I did, and kind of came in off that first loop, and my dad was there crewing for me, which I'm very thankful for. And I told him, I don't think those night loops did much. I'm still feeling pretty good. Like I feel almost as good as day one, so i had carried headlamps with them, or I had carried headlamps with me in case it was a little dark still. Handed it to him and told him, "Okay, if you can put batteries on these, I'll, you know I'll need them." Hoping I didn't seem arrogant, and then uh, you know, kind of just kept that strategy going. And up through five or six laps, I was pretty consistent. There was a gradual slowdown throughout the day, so I was able to run about the same lap times, but I did that by just running a little bit farther the loop thirty. I ran out like two and a half miles, and then walked in the rest of the way. So it was kind of yeah. I mean, I was slowing down, and I mean the legs were feeling. That there was definitely some fatigue there, but there was nothing crazy. Yet.
1: So as obviously the race starts to eventually thin out. So there's like five or so people left. Uh, there was a question in the chat from running sig uh said congrats on the win was there a specific point at the race where you started to believe that you were the strongest runner in the field did that start that that thought cross your mind with even like say five people to go uh
2: no it never really crossed my mind until basically right at the end of the race when you know stuff started to seriously go wrong for jordan but, I mean, I could kind of tell there were, I would, in my head, I was thinking it was going to come down to just the way things were playing out and everybody was looking. I mean, you can kind of tell when somebody's on the verge and, you know, going back out there and struggling and, you know, nobody was really saying much, but you can kind of just tell when somebody's hurting bad.
1: So when Gabe dropped, what was the dynamic? How did that change? Because there's three of you guys obviously out there. So when Gabe dropped, how did that change the dynamic? Like, did you know that, oh, man, we could go another 100 miles with you and Jordan? Or was it, okay, let's just try to focus one loop at a time? And what was that like to kind of of see him kind of just drop at the race, I guess?
2: Yeah, it was a big disappointment because, I mean, I was, I mean, in there, at that point in my head, I was so, you know, let's do the... I was like, yeah, all three of us just, just go for it keep putting up miles. And then came back in and hear a voice from Gabe's tent. It's like, hey, like, I'm out. It's like, oh, like and my strategy I'd still been running off the front, so I wasn't aware of what was what was going on. Hadn't really seen Gabe running to even know if he was feeling good, bad, terrible. So yeah, that was actually a disappointment. And then it's just like, okay, you know, we've just got to keep
1: going, you know, keep running more loops. So that, obviously that happened. And then what were the, was, was there a conversation with you and Jordan that next loop? Okay, like, okay, it's only two of us. Or <laughs> what were the mind games like when the other two of you guys left? Uh, I don't think there's a tremendous amount of mind games. You just gave
2: a, you know, kind of a fist bump on that next loop. Like, you know, let's go get it. Let's, let's keep going. And, so I think
3: we were far
2: into the second day of the day loops, the trail loops. And we had gotten some rain, and the trail was starting to deteriorate. So I think that I it was. I knew I was still coming in about the same time that I was starting to have to run a lot more of the loop. There were some muddy sections that it was just getting slow and slow and slower. So that trouble was definitely increasing and i started to feel a little bit mentally foggy here on the, sections of the trail. i really really had to focus on it's okay stay in the trail like don't fall so the concentration of the stake and we're definitely going up and i legs were I mean, my legs were feeling it, but they weren't the worst part. Of it. it was you know, concentrating stuff, and then also at this point, it, the moisture had got under my feet, and they were starting to hurt pretty bad. Just you know, around, you know, you can tell blisters are forming. So that's where things started to get tough. You know, Jordan and I thought and I don't think he had a pair of trailers that really fit him well. So he said he was uh, running on a pair of ro- worn out road flats, you know, just kind of sliding around and you know, hundred and fifty miles and you know. And if this is tough for me, it's, like, it's not easy to him either. So he's gonna to well. I think we're both behind stuff, we're just gonna keep
3: going and So
2: then I think we went out for, it ended up being our last. Let's only do 12 this time. The trail's getting sloppy. We'll switch to the road one loop earlier.
3: And
2: I was almost ready for it to be over. Like it was starting to get hard. And, you know, kind of the competitive nature. We in the it's like, you know, if I, uh, you know, I'd like to win this if we've gone this far. You know, it we'll, would we'll, we'll, we'll,
3: we'll, we'll, we'll be nice to win. Yeah. So kind of thought, you know,
2: I know we were struggling on these trail loops. I thought that was my chance. And Jordan was looking super, super strong on the road. I thought if we go to the road, this thing is going to go on and on and on. So it was actually a little bit of a disappointment to hear. So we got through, let's see, it would have been loop 36, 150 miles, kind of no major problems, but I knew I had to take care of my feet after that. So came in, a cousin Kyle, who also ran the race, was there. He kind of saved my race. He had some baby powder, put on two layers of socks and found a Dry pair of shoes. It's like a worn-out pair of kind of flat trainers that have like four hundred miles
3: on them, but they were dry, and so we went out and started running the road loop. And it, yeah, pretty,
1: pretty tough. Nice. So Rob Belue had a question in the chat. Uh, it said, "Jordan, Jordan fell three times. Did you ever fall uh, on the did that day loop there when you were trying to? Things were getting dizzy out there." No, I
2: actually never fell. I had a really good day in that respect. I think I stubbed my toe once and didn't even have any anything other than that, you know, trips or stumbles, which is surprising cuz you know, the end of day 2, I was getting a
1: little loopy. So you're back on the road, you're 150 in, going on night 2, and that is just <laughs> just new territory obviously for you as your first back at Ultra and Jordan uh yeah, I think he's done one before practice one, but the farthest he's ever gone in a format like this. Um, what were the final 20 miles like? Walk us through that. Okay, so, yeah,
2: first road loop, Jordan and I actually ran together kind of first time all day. I mean, we'd been chatting. He was catching me. Like with my day strategy, he was catching Hey, good job, you know, passing that same point every time. So we ran most of the first loop together. I ended up having to stop Time I should do it. He went ahead and I took a walk break. So we chatted, and it's like, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, got to know each other a little bit better. It's like, okay. And I think he did like a 46, and I did like a 48. And kind of all I could manage at this point was a slow shuffle, but it was still a 48 minute lap. I'm like, okay, that's 12 minutes extra. Like, this could go a while. So then we went out on our second lap and it took a long time to get going. The legs were getting really tight. I was trying to lay down and sleep, which was less effective. I was way more tired. but I was having a lot more trouble actually catching any sleep. And every time I got out, I was just super, super stiff. To so the start of each loop, you go, str- you know, straight out from the camp up this little hill, and everybody there can see you, you know, see what you're doing. And at this point, I started to feel a little bit crampy in my legs, which is was like, oh, no. It's like, don't cramp up and have to hobble up this hill in front of everybody. So, you know, we just kind of go out. Jordan was going out a little bit ahead of me then. He was definitely looking stronger, running. So it was about three-eighths of a mile out of the road, get out there, walk up the road, and started walking up the road, and my legs felt even crampier walking like, oh, no, this could be a problem. Like, the only thing I can do is just kind of a slow jog. So got up to that hill, got up the hill as quick as I could and just started jogging. And about a mile in, I wasn't able to run fast, but I could run about a 12-minute pace. And it was all flat trails. And so did that, came in like 48, 49 minutes again. It's like, you know. Okay, as long as nothing goes majorly wrong here. I can keep this up for a while. It's not feeling comfortable, but, you know, let's just keep rolling with it. Then, let's see, I think our third night loop, it's kind of more the same. Start out, feel stiff. It was a struggle. Get those legs going. You know, hike up the hill. Get the legs going again. About a mile in, they start to feel better and, you know, kind of just shuffle along at about a
3: 12-minute pace. Did that and came in. And I think I laid down then. and I was just feeling, feeling
2: pretty rough. I felt like my heart was really racing and, you know, just restless. My stomach was a little iffy. So we went back out there on that next loop and you know stood up off I had a little sleeping pad I was sleeping on stood up and felt a little lightheaded and uh, dad looked at me he's like you know you've got nothing to prove you don't have you know you don't have to keep this up and, you know I went out there and started running and all that first little three-eighths mile stretch out to the road I started to get a chill just felt like it couldn't get warmed up and I'm like you know this you know this could be it the body could just be shutting down which is fine you know if i shut down you know that i've given up my all i said well i'm going to take a gel maybe i'm low in calories I took a gel walked up that hill and got going and i just could not get my legs going so i'm running and you know hit the first mile marker looked down at my watch i'm at 14 minute pace which is right right on the verge of timing out and i'm just feeling miserable can't get my legs open up. Oh. I think at this point, I looked up ahead, and Jordan's about two hundred yards ahead of me, and he keeps looking back. and I thought, okay, he, you know he's just watching me struggle like he's gonna stay, make sure he makes it in time, and you know just keep an eye on me. But I think in truth, Jordan was also facing his own issues. I, Talk to him a little bit after the race, so I'm not 100% sure what happened, but I actually ended up catching him there about another half mile, and he wasn't moving well well either. And I finally got my legs going. I think two miles in, I was averaging about 13-minute miles. And there was a series of switchbacks he did in the night loop, so I checked, and I think Jordan was over two minutes behind me then. At two miles. So I know, you know, something's got to be wrong. He's significantly slowed. So ran the rest of that loop and the legs and actually felt a little better towards the end. And came in, I think around 50, and, you know, kind of said to my crew that, you know, something's going on. Like, you know, I don't think Jordan's feeling real good. And then you know, and Jordan had been coming in at like 45 minutes consistently. And this one he he came in maybe five minutes after me and he didn't look good, so kind of knew this could be the end. So then finally went out on our last loop. Well, what ended up being our last loop. And I couldn't even keep track of him at, at this point. I thought, you know, okay, okay, end of loop. So if I can just run that nice, easy, slow pace and not mess anything up, you know, I think I can get in for another few loops, and you know, we'll just see what happens. You know, can't control what anybody else is doing. So went out, and I could tell Jordan was hurting. He basically, went out side by side at this point, not really saying much. It was all I could do to just keep focus and stay on the course. Hit the township road, went hiking up it. Jordan's right behind me okay, I have my certain point. I'm going to start running, you know, a little fence post at the top of the hill. So I started that real slow shuffle. I never heard Jordan start running. But then I thought, you know, it kind of spurred me on when Jordan started looking back the last loop. And it was about a half mile straight where you could see what, you know, kind of see what each other was doing. I never looked back. So then I got, I was actually feeling a little bit better than the loop. Previous, I hit the one mile mark at about 12 minutes, and I thought, okay, you know, if I hold this pace, I have plenty of time in this loop. And then Bob's driveway, I believe, was at 1.4 miles. And there's only about three or four houses on this mile stretch of road. And I'm running down the road, and it's a struggle to keep focused. And all of a sudden, nothing looks familiar. I can't see any flags, the trees don't look familiar. The road doesn't look familiar, and I'm thinking, "Oh no! Like, I just ran right by Bob's driveway. I don't like. I might have like. I don't know how far down the road I am. Like, this could have gone all wrong." So I kind of stopped, and I looked around. and I said, "Well, I'm just going to turn around and you know run back to Bob's driveway." So I turn around, and it it seemed like a long ways, but it was probably only about a hundred yards, and I saw a flag the race so i knew okay i haven't gone too far but then i also didn't see tele coming and you could see quite a ways down the road at that point like if you couldn't see see the headlamp like something either he had turned around or he was really really struggling i got turned around got back out on bob's course and at this point i'm thinking you know, okay just stay focused don't mess this loop up you know like i've already almost messed up the easiest part of the course where you're just running down a township road and there's literally like two possible turns to make. almost messed that up. So then just, you know, it was all, I, all I could do to stay focused, but got through the course, you know, just that kind of that slow shuffle, 12, 30 pace, got back out on the township road. And it's like, okay, I've got a mile to go and I've got like 25, 20 minutes to do it. I should be able to do this. Just kept that slow shuffle up and I still wasn't 100% sure what had happened to Jordan and I didn't want to let myself think at this point that, you know, okay, this is it because if I was wrong, that was going to be such a letdown. I don't know how I could have possibly gone back out. So came in the drive back to Bob's Field you know, as soon as my headlight got to where the people at the finish line could see it, I heard a bunch of clapping. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, okay, this is, I think this is it. And I just did that slow jog in there across the finish line, and there's clapping. And nobody said, anything. maybe that was just so hot, but I couldn't tell. I kind of turn around to go back to my tent, and Brian Pollan goes, You don't have to go back out. And I was just so relieved at that point. I mean, I know I said I wanted to go as far as I could, but I was pretty ready to be done at that point.
1: That that was the end of the race. Awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome story, man. It was crazy to see it all unfold. And obviously, you living in it, it must have been just absolutely epic. And the battle that you kind of faced out there those last couple loops was... It's awesome to hear Tim crow in the chat asks, okay, so now that you've done 170 miles, how can we get you to 200 miles?
2: Uh, well, I'm going to try give it my best shot. I don't know. I mean, anything can go wrong. I mean, I could have gone, I could have finished out the night loop or I could have cramped up on the next, next loop and timed out. It, I mean, I was to the point where, like, like, bad navigation, having to take a long bathroom break, even just a cramp and having to walk for five minutes would have ended my race
1: at the pace I was moving. Yeah, and, I mean, for people that don't know, like, the Backyard Ultra format and these affiliate races, obviously, you're going off to Big Dog Backyard Ultra in Couple months here, but uh, for the affiliate races, 170 miles is one of the best performances from all of the races. That basically isn't Laz's. Um, I mean, I, you, there's a Facebook group you can check out the results every single week. And some some races you can I'm gonna call out Florida, for example, 104 miles gets the win there. And like in Ohio, there's been massive performances, and you just raised the bar one more time. So, what is your preparation next going into Bigs?
2: Uh, I hope it will be similar. Uh, I think just getting training time is going to be a lot more difficult. One of the things that I didn't do for bombs that I wish I had done more of was hike. I a hike at a fast pace. I did maybe four or five training runs where I'd run and then walk the last mile, and I had to walk about I do about a thirteen minute mile, it was semi uncomfortable. If I could make that pace more comfortable, that would be really big. And like at the end of day one at Bob's, it was actually harder to walk. Like my legs were feeling more tired during the walking sessions than they were during the running. But like I don't go I mean, when I go out for a run, I'm usually pressed for time. like, well, if I go faster, I can cover more more miles. So if I can figure out some way to do some fast walking i think that would actually help with with my strategy
0: so uh jordan is in the chat room and has has stated said why did you have to beat me in front of my mom jacob
2: well my dad was there i couldn't let him down sorry jordan
0: <laughs> oh i love it and then it was a
2: pleasure jordan it was great to run against you
0: The uh, another good comment we have is from Mike Kabowski Says towards the end of the race. There seemed to be a lot of friendly trash talk between Jordan, Gabe and Jacob, but Jordan and Gabe. But Jacob stayed quiet. Was this was this his game face on? Um, Curious what was going through his mind.
2: No, I'm just not much of a trash talker. I, I do well, but I didn't want to go and advertise it. And then if I say I'm going to do 200 miles and get lost on lap two and lap two, I really feel foolish. But
1: Gabe and Jordan backed it up, so go ahead and talk. Yeah, no, for those of you that don't know, I think Jordan uh, is all in on the backyard ultra scene. Uh, I found a little bit about him, and he's been a great runner in college and then kind of transitioning to ultras now, and he's been diving straight into that scene and this was awesome to see him go that far, and uh, he said, "Great race, brother." It was a pleasure running with you, and you earned it, no doubt. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy to see it all all go down. Uh, Deisha in the chat said, "I created for Jordan, and I absolutely loved your dad. He was great company." Please let him know that he did a great job holding it down. So you have to pass that along as well.
2: All right, I will. I think he might be watching.
1: I think he knew about it. Awesome. So yeah, we we talked a little bit about biggs, but I think you're also still signed up for Mohican. Is that right? What's kind of your game plan with those two races? I think they're like a week and a half apart or whatnot. So, what's your game plan? Well, I uh,
2: definitely want to go to Bigs. It would be uh, a big thrill to get to run against uh, all the competitors there. And I don't think that you get the chance. I don't think there's any way you don't go and give it your best shot. And then, you know, Mohican's kind of been my go-to race. I'd love to get a bunch of finishes there. So unless something goes terribly wrong, I'd like to do them both. Now, I don't know that I'm going to go and try to run Mohican, you know, absolutely 100% as fast as I possibly could. I mean, I think if I could do it
3: and
1: finish the thing, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. With your experience there at Mohican and all of your top finishes there, uh, I feel like you'd have no problem doing both races with ease.
2: Well, I don't know about
1: easy, but. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you that don't know, uh, Jacob has put in some awesome performances in this past year. This isn't like a new thing for Jacob. And I think he, honestly, after doing my research, I think he deserves more credit in the, uh, midwest ultra scene east coast ultra scene i'm curious to kind of get his thoughts on this but um, just top places top three first place wins at all these races and obviously this one is a super big win um ohio's ultra runner of the year that's an award that we've done for two years now and i think this this race specifically catapults you up into that conversation i guess what is your uh mindset going like i know you're going for the races but like do you ever consider like man, I should get more credit in the ultra running scene in Ohio. Cause I think you're a name that shows up consistently. Every single race you go to has good performances, always does really well, but for whatever reason, uh, doesn't get the love or the glamor that other people do. Oh, well, I don't care
2: about that. I just, I enjoy racing. Enjoy competing. I just got my own thing. Whatever everybody else thinks is, is fine.
0: You're
1: humble, yeah, that's one, yeah, that's, that's the one thing that uh I've heard about you, and obviously knowing you a little bit was uh, you're one of the most humble people. So I, I knew I'd ask the question, but I knew I wouldn't get much of a response. Uh, in regards to how I'm gonna crush everyone in Ohio's Ultra Runner of <laughs> the Year this year, but uh, definitely a name for Ohio people to keep their eye on the rest of the year. Um, well, Nathan, X. go with for With the it. way this year was done and few races,
2: it uh, might be easier to win if there's no more races. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. I think uh, we, we haven't really discussed it yet, but I think yeah, there'd be some kind of like, uh, some kind of like a word for like people that have done like big adventures. So like, for example, like this Arlen's hundred miler that he did in 13 hours. Does that count? Might count for something, but it wasn't an official race. So we'll, we'll see when that kind of comes around. <laughs> but uh, Nathan Quinn said, Jake was way too humble, but that's what makes him great. He's no, he knows that he's one of the best. But he doesn't need the credit, and I think that he's going to start getting the credit around Ohio and the Midwest going forward. So it's going to be awesome to
3: see.
0: So we, if we jump back a little bit, Kurt Keener asked at the very beginning. Um, he wants to know: Were you born and raised in Ohio? But then also, what got you into trail running?
2: So uh, yeah, actually, I was born and raised in Ohio, and was. Probably five or six miles from Bob's place. So, Bob was a neighbor growing up. My parents have a dairy farm there. So, Bob has been a neighbor for a long time. Since before either one of us was a runner, actually. And then, I guess what got me into trail running? I started off running on the roads, did a couple marathons, and I'd been hiking over at the Mohican State Park, and I was aware. There was a 100-mile race there. And when I was younger, I thought, that's crazy. I, you know, who, who would do that? I'll never do that. And then started running the park. So one year, I just decided I'm going to run the 50 there, and that'll be my first trail race. So I did that, and I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the atmosphere, and it
1: just kind of continued from there. Awesome. Yeah, your first, your first race is hopping in the Mohican 50 just on a whim, it seems like.
3: A... I
0: think Wesley just froze.
3: <laughs> yeah, did we
0: lose him? He he's, is frozen solid. He can't even finish that sentence. He was no, so all right. excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right, am I back here? Yeah, but you're vertical.
1: Oh, I can fix myself here my apologies. Okay. So uh, what Oda was saying was like, you just hopped hop, out hop, hop in the race and you got 10th overall. Like that is just incredible for a debut 50. Um, did, like did you, at that, from that moment on, do you just know like, Oh, I'm just going to absolutely crush the trail running scene or like, I just want to keep going further and get going faster. Well, I know I enjoyed it. I
2: didn't, I mean, I didn't run a stupendously fast, uh, fast time or anything. So already when I went to 50, kind of jokingly, but not jokingly to my wife, I said, well, I think I'm just going to transfer to 100 and try that, which in in hindsight, she was right. It would have been dumb to try 100 for my first first one, but then finish the 50 and, you know, the end was hard. And then two days later, you forget about all that. I think I'm going to do 100 next year. So I had—I may mean, had a year to train for it, to get ready, and I signed up for it and did it. And you know, it's kind of taken off from there. And then, thought, well, if I did this and this and this different.
3: Maybe I it and it's kind of just taken off from there. How is your
1: mindset with races? Because I mean, it seems like you've like ex- excelled at all of these, and like done really well but oh we lost john for a second he'll be back in a second but um how did the how does the mindset transition from like when you were starting ultras to going into the backyard ultra format did you kind of have that same um mentality like oh this is a new adventure or did you just know like okay i can at least do x amount of miles
2: you know i thought it would be a new adventure it would be definitely a way i could push my limits it would be something different And I wasn't seeming arrogant, but I knew that I had run a couple hundred mile races and finished them, you know, uh, well under backyard pace. So I was thinking, if things go well, it should be over a hundred miles. And it should be by a decent amount. But I had followed the backyard ultra. You know, okay, typically if one of these makes it to 30 hours, like that's you know, pretty good for an affiliate race. Like you were talking, Wesley, like they typically don't. I mean, 30 hours, 35 would be pretty good. But that, you know, even then looking at like last year at Biggs, like all the big names, you know, there's going to be 200 miles and stuff just goes wrong and it doesn't happen. So I didn't know what to expect. I thought, you know, things go right for me. I do like a big number, but I I didn't expect it to be
1: 170. So, with I feel like at, at Bigs, obviously, gonna be a little different atmosphere, uh, <laughs> just because of the amount of unbelievable runners that are going to be at that event. Um, how confident are you in staying composed with your pacing strategy when you see the biggest names in the sports either running past you or even going slower than you? do you think you can kind of like stay strong in your mentality or are you going to be double guessing yourself when you see people pass you or whatnot in those moments?
2: Uh, I don't think oh,
3: you shouldn't mess with me
2: at all. You know? <laughs> but at was my race strategy. Basically every loop I was going off the front so I was trying to front load the running I would have, you know, a bank of time to fix it, and not time out in the loop. So I think if I would try that similar strategy at Bigs, and I'd be curious to talk, you know, a couple local guys, um, Brian Poland and Gabe Pramutter, who we already talked about, who have run it. But I'd kind of like to stick to the straight same uh, strategy, but kind of don't know what the people down there. Are. Are doing that it. It would certainly seem strange if I was the only one doing that, going off the front of the field again, but then getting passed by everybody. So I don't know, I didn't like do the same strategy. We'll just see, see how it feels. I was definitely uh, overhearing some comments at Bob's like, what's this guy doing? Or that's the guy that walks, like, you know, which wasn't a big deal. Big deal there. I could kind of shrug it off, but you know, pigs is kind of a different story. So I don't know.
1: Got a couple months to plan. Yeah, no disrespect to Bob, but when Laz is chirping in your ear, I bet that's a slightly different feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I'm uh, kind of excited to see what it'll be like. So it's, I mean, your mindset's got to be the same exact thing, right? Just I'm going to go as far as I possibly can and I think it's just to go in minimum 250 and just set that as your goal and go from there. But what are you going to do? Uh,
2: I think I'm going to roll with the same strategy. Just say, <sighs> you know, I mean, with the people going there to pigs, I think the opportunity to go as far as I can will be almost a sure thing I mean there's people there that are gonna just go and go and go and go so Uh, I don't know I think I got close enough at Bob's of almost getting what I wished for you know when it got got to be a struggle struggle
1: at the end it's like I see what this format is going out there well that's why you ended up winning this past weekend because you're Stuck with your strategy and you executed it to perfection. Original uh, Nation, if you've got any questions, make sure to drop those in the chat. We've got a couple more minutes here. Uh, I'm curious on what was your nutrition like throughout the day? That's always one of the biggest things for back at Ultra. Uh, what, what, were, what were you eating throughout the day?
2: So I was taking a water bottle out every loop. It was about 50-50. I 50. Uh, like water and then with. And then, after nearly every loop, I'd eat half a banana. That's kind of my go to. And then I had a variety of stuff uh, just regular chips, a couple different varieties of cookies, some cheese crackers. Yeah, mostly just Mountain Dew, maybe five or six times. And then on day two, for day and the night loop, I started taking Mountain Dew pretty regularly, like half a cup of Mountain Dew after every loop. And was feeling good, stomach held out
1: pretty good. I think the slower pace helped. Definitely. Yeah, uh, Running's IG in the chat again asked, uh, do you have a caffeine source throughout the race? Like, how are you staying alert out there?
2: Uh, so my plan was to delay caffeine as long as I could. So I typically drink a lot of caffeine in the day. So I did first night loop, first night loop with no caffeine, and then kind of it was like, okay, this is normal rhythm. It's morning time. So I had a couple kick starts that I drank over the course of about three loops, and then I held off for a couple loops. And you know, part way through the day loops, so I was feeling pretty drowsy again. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to go with a steady, steady flow of Mountain Dew. And that's what I did. I had some caffeinated tailwind there too that I could have mixed and put in my bottle, but it seemed like the Mountain Dew in between the loops was was it
1: doing okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh if you had like one piece of advice to give to someone who's running their a uh, back at Ultra for the first time, what would that advice be to give to them? Now we'll just go
2: and have fun. There's a bunch of people there. There's always somebody to chat with or or run with. Just run as far as you want. mean, there are people there that you know they were just out for a run, like uh, you know, just run a couple loops for fun and stuff, and that'll be your long run for the day. Or if you want to try to get 50 miles, it's a cool format. I mean, you always have aid. that's never long in between aid stations. You know, just go get a distance PR or you want the things things you can do. And everybody was pretty cool, pretty supportive. It's like you tell somebody, hey, I'm going for 50, you know, people will cheer you on in that last loop.
3: Awesome.
1: Yeah. See, so, yeah, that's one of the best things about the backyard format. So uh I'm assuming that Bob has convinced you to come back for next year to defend your title. Is that correct?
2: That is not correct. So we'll <laughs> see. I'll be there one way or the other. I don't know uh, how many of these things I can force myself to force myself to do.
1: Well once two, you do like two, once you do two fifty, doing like another one seventy five next year will be no big deal. It might be more fun to sit there
2: and crew and watch somebody else do it. It's
0: also fun. That I will agree with.
1: Yeah, Brian Pullen was great with that job this year. He said that, uh, Jacob, if I have another child, would you be okay if I named him Jacob? Sure. That's a good name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so you normally have a couple of rapid-fire questions here before we wrap up. Um, I, I guess there's – I mean, we talked about eight-station food, but do you have any pre-race rituals for the race that you normally do either the night before or the day of? No, not not
2: anything crazy. I like to get up maybe a little couple hours before, drink some coffee, and you know, just I'd rather get to the race a half hour early early and sit there for the start line than rush up at the last minute. So, I like to be able to relax before the race. So, I'd rather get up a little earlier, just I don't know, eat normal breakfast, normal,
3: normal morning routine.
1: So, with that being said, you have a post race meal. Did you indulge in anything particular after your win this past weekend?
2: Uh, usually ice cream sits pretty well with me. Typically after an ultra, I kind of get caught in mouth and have trouble chewing and swallowing stuff. So ice cream just, especially on a hot ultra, I mean, wasn't super hot. First day home, I definitely had a big bowl of ice cream. It just kind of hits the spot nice and
1: cool and easy to chew. Yeah, you don't have to fight too hard into that. Uh no, if, you with, if you could run as if you could run as one person in the history of the world, who would it be and where would you run?
2: Uh so I guess kind of non rather non-runner, but one of my grandfathers passed away quite a while ago. I know he did track and field. I'm not sure what events he ran, but I mean, I wouldn't care. Where I got to run, if I could get to go for a run with him, it'd be pretty cool. So
1: I'm man, you take him the easy way out on that one, No, nah, sometimes that's just the right answer. And then if you could run one race every single year for the next decade, what race would it be? Oh, that's an easy
2: one. I I'd run the Mojica 100. That's kind of been been my go-to. I just love that race, love the trails.
3: trails there's
2: close to
1: home and, uh, just like it well after beating, after beating Gabe maybe you can eventually steal the miss from title from him too and just totally crush all of his dreams <laughs> no he's going to run that race he's going
2: to get 50 50 uh, yeah, yes I, I could easily see that they're going to have to get a new buckle for him a new buckle
0: <laughs>
2: just be, just you be deal- his
0: face just his face on it <laughs>
1: If he, if he does 50, that's more than deserved Maybe we need to rename the race after him if he does that. But uh, Kyle said that he's really proud of you. And uh, thanks for the ride as well. So good to see Kyle in the chat. Rob said he's looking forward to seeing you tomorrow as well. <laughs> okay. I hope I can to see Rob and not have to work on my deck.
2: Wait, sorry, say that one more time. Oh, I hope I get to see Rob because that means I'm out running and not
1: working on the deck of my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Maybe I'll show up on the deck, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jacob, this has been an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight. Uh, it was great to have you on. Where can people find you on social media, Strava and all that good kind of stuff if they're looking to follow you? I Facebook
3: and Strava. I
1: yeah, I don't have any other social media, but yeah, just look me up. Jacob found it pretty easy. Yeah, we'll make sure to attach those in the description as well. For those of you that don't know, Jacob's a really awesome kudo giver as well. So mm-hmm. he will make sure to give you a kudo or two on some runs. Uh, thank you again for joining us, uh, Ridge Generation. uh Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you know someone that would be an awesome guest like Jacob was, uh, nominate them and we can hopefully get them on a future show. Jacob, thank you again and congrats on your awesome performance. And we're looking to see you absolutely crush it at Big's Backyard Ultra this fall.
3: Well, thanks.
2: It was a pleasure to be on.
1: We'll talk to you guys soon. Ridge Nation. Thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation.